Well, good afternoon and greetings again in the precious name of our Lord Jesus. A blessing again to be with you. That was a blessed song to gracious spirit. Lead us. How far? To glory. First of all, I have something on my heart I need to share with you all. And I'm sharing it so that you can learn from some of my mistakes. Brother Luke mentioned in this afternoon towards the end there about the encounter I had with, with that lady. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but she had one thing in mind, and that was to put her hands on me in an inappropriate way, and she was doing it to the other men in the area there. And she approached me and just said, I'd like to straighten your collar out. And I said, I don't think my collar needs straightened out. I didn't know if my collar was right or not, but she had ulterior motives. And she said, uh, I said, you're not going to touch me. And she said, oh, yes, I'm going to. And she, uh, I forget what all was said. It wasn't right away. And she came towards me and just said, uh, well, I knew, that, I knew that that moment she's coming. And I just said, you're not touching me in the name of Jesus. And she got up to me, and that's all the further she could go. Um, and I looked at her, and I just said, I said, you're not happy. I said, with what you're, with what you're doing, I said, it's not producing happiness. And I sensed a melting of the of the evil spirit. I'm going to, even though she was drunk and probably on marijuana, I want you to know that that is demonic. We understand that. When you see a drunk person, we sometimes think, well, they're so drunk, they, yeah, they are drunk, but that is, that is demonic. And I just said, you're not happy. And she said, I know, but what can I do? And that is where I'm confessing to you I was dwelling on myself and saying, did you see what just happened? Looking at it from the protection, protect and pa protecting power. When God opened a little door in her heart for me to dive in and help her through, and I missed that. I shed tears this morning over it, but... I wanted to clear my heart with you all so that you can learn. Um, I know God can take that, and I just saw her eyes, it's, that whatever she's possessed with, I guess the devil, I don't know what else to call it, uh, just kind of came back into her, and she went off to the side, and I, I kind of walked away, and I was still thinking, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, in my heart, and some of you brethren came to me and said, well, what was that all about, and wanted a little more details, and after a while, God convicted me and said, I want you to make a round to where that was. And she wasn't there anymore. There was another lady there then. And as I was laying in bed this morning, I almost <laughs> asked one of you brethren to take me to Seattle this morning. But I'm laying that into the hands of the Lord. Hopefully there was enough of nugget there that we, we were in Satan's territory yesterday. Are you, are you aware of that? 
One of the men told me as within 10 minutes after we were in the park that there's a different atmosphere in this park. He said there's a lot of things that usually go on in afternoons like that that he said are not going on today because of your presence. And I, I just want to, you know, we're here. Yeah, the, the presence of the evil one can try to come in, but we were actually going into the realm uh, where ungodliness is rampant. I even think I heard one man shout across the street to us, welcome to the city of iniquity or whatever it was. Or the land of iniquity. And I thought, how true. How true. So, I just want to praise the Lord that He protected us yesterday. And there could be, there could be as, as you go on the next couple days after you go home, because you've been there, I, and I'm not saying this to, to scare you, but the, the pressure of the evil one could try to get into your heart with everything that happened or that took place that day. And I just asked that you be on your knees. Stay there until you get a clearing. <clears throat> I have a question before we get into this thing of delighting in the Spirit. How are you going to decide? Someone asks you, okay, I guess I should say, the question is this, on what basis are you, getting to, are you going to decide if you had a good Bible school experience or not? It'd be interesting too, those that are in administration, when they get together to discuss Bible school, what are you going to decide if you had a good Bible school or not? I'd like you to tell me. Is Jesus glorified? Jesus is glorified. Okay. Okay. Do I see fruit in a year from now? That's right. Praise the Lord. I do. Amen. Other thoughts? Enthused. I'm sorry? Enthusiasm. Ent- okay. It's the being re-energized. Right. For, and I just feel like for me, it, it's been a purifying experience for me. Good. Good. Someone over here? Growing in the Lord. Growing in the Lord. Brother Joe mentioned the other night that there have been a lot of young people here that have been helped over the years, but there's some that are not, I took from you, well, maybe walking with the Lord or even out in maybe still professing Christianity. So what, what is different with us here today that that doesn't happen? Amen. You have been taught well this week with all the teaching that came across this podium. And I just want to give you encouragement. Um, You will hear a lot of definitions about what revival is. Some people look at revival and they base it upon an emotional experience or upon their emotions. And I, I got caught up in that. I thought the more there's responses, the more hallelujahs there are, the more glories there are, the more um, 
I mean, I heard phrases from people that I admired and looked up to. Boy, it's sure hot around here. You know, referring to the presence of the Lord, and I don't want to minimize that. You know, God, God is working, but then as I saw some of the fruit of that, I was wondering where is it when it's carried out? So I just want to help you young people. It's not only you as young people that are sifting through some of this. <laughs> it's us older ones. What is genuine revival? What is God asking for His people? And sometimes the ones that are so involved in revival and spontaneous, and I am for the spontaneous leading of the Holy Spirit, I believe in that. I hope you can see that in my life as I, as I live for the Lord. But there's many that I know of that eventually didn't last. It's not how high you can jump. It's how you walk. It's the walking, not the jumping that matters. And I realize there's times we jump. I think of that man that, that was healed. <laughs> he, 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 never, yeah, he was jumping around. He even went running in the jumping. Doesn't it say he was leaping for joy? He even went into the, was it the synagogue? <laughs> Praising the Lord? What would you think of me if I come flying in here just jumping around and praising the Lord and... Yes, I'm not, I want you to know that I, I have seen people that have gotten the, you know, repented of their sins and there was a joy of the Lord upon their hearts and, and it was real. So I, I want to make it clear, but I'm, I, I am looking for your lives for something that is concrete, that's there and that when the waters and the storms of life come upon your heart, that you don't get washed away or that gets washed out of your experience. I call it concrete. It's solid. It's firm. It's stable. And yes, there's still the joy of the Lord in the midst of all that. So I just want to bless you young people. I didn't want to, tonight, when I have the message, I, didn't, I thought I'd address that now. <laughs> So that you understand of the solidness when it comes to what revival is. Another thing, and telling you that I have scattered thoughts, and then I thought, well, <laughs> maybe they think I have scattered thoughts all the time as I teach. I'm not <laughs> sure, but I, I want you to know that we have a tendency of sometimes blaming the conservative people that we feel need more life, and I agree, they do. But we, we, we blame them sometimes that they focus on performance. But sometimes we're just as guilty of that. Just in a different way. Live your life for what the Lord puts in there and do not perform to be somebody that you're not. I've seen young men, they get up, they want to testify of the Lord, and they will pattern their life after a preacher and try to preach right like him. That don't work. I see people, and I don't know, I guess I haven't been observing the, the ladies or the sisters as much as I have the brothers, but be real. 
And the reason I'm bringing that up is when we do that, it dampens the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord, the Spirit cannot work because our spirit is in control. Our earthly flesh is in control and God cannot work through that. Revival is not fabricated by man. And it doesn't depend on the speaker. It does depend if he has prepared his heart or not. Maybe I should say it should not depend necessarily upon his delivery. As much as it is as his walk and his life behind his message. And yes, it does depend. I have congregations that say, can you come and have a week of meetings for us? We need revival. My question to those pastors usually is, how desperate are you for revival? You need to do your part. You don't wait just the preacher gets there or the minister to share the good news of salvation and somehow he is going to bring revival. It says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Ponder that. The next time that you know that there's going to be... <clears throat> well, I guess I asked the question, how much prayer did you put in for this week before you got here? How much did we as adults put in for the burden of the, for the souls of our, of our young people? I am learning as I'm getting older, and maybe it's because my legs are giving out, I don't know, but I spend more time on my knees than I used to. I'm beginning to realize the importance of prayer. And I just, I traveled with two brethren already, uh, two different, uh, throughout two different times, or I actually have seen them together already. Um, one brother, he's always looking for a corner to pray. He doesn't want to be in the forefront. He's always in a corner somewhere praying. The other one has a tendency of wanting to be noticed. He doesn't want to be in the corner. He wants to be out somewhere where everybody sees what he's doing and everything. And I'm watching, and I have watched. And the one that is getting the most done for the Lord is the one that's in the corner. He's in his closet. The Bible says, when thou hast shut the door. Too many of us have closets full of stuff. How many have empty closets at their house? It's time to clean out the closets of our hearts. <clears throat> okay, we're going to talk about delighting. <clears throat> I was upstairs praying to the Lord, asking Him for some type of illustration to give about what it means to be delighting in the Spirit. And when we are, when we are delighting in the Spirit, there's something, first of all, that has to take place, and that is we need to have love. And I thought, how could I explain this? Lord, give me, give me a, something that I could use as an illustration. And Brother Luke was... Um, teaching and maybe 10 minutes before he quit and I came through that back door and I saw a beautiful sight. <clears throat> Brother Grant, I'm going to use you as an, as an object lesson for a little bit. Is that okay? <clears throat> and uh, his Melanie, I'm not sure where Melanie is, but I came, oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> I came through that back door and here, you know, we all know Grant's taller than what Melanie is. <laughs> and Grant was sitting there, and his wife had his, it was behind him, and I don't know what they were talking about, but their, their faces were right next to each other. She had her hand on his shoulder, and I think they were delighting in each other. 
I think they love each other. You think they do? I think they do. (laughs) But it confirmed in my heart, in order for them to be delighting in each other, there needs to be a love. And it blessed my soul. And then I thought of my own wife at home. I wish I could put my face next to her right now. You know, to delight in her. But there, in order for them there to be a delight in the Holy Spirit, there needs to be a love relationship with Jesus Christ. In order for us to understand what this delight means. Delight is something that is the evidence of love. People delight in relationships. Husbands and wife delight in relationships. It's a blessing to have godly wives and godly husbands that we can delight in. That is someone that we can trust. Someone that we can put our confidence into. And not worry that they're going to maybe um, do something to, to grieve us in any way. But that we have trust and confidence knowing that they are going to be faithful to us. The same way it is with our relationship with the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. We need to have that relationship of love that God knows you're not going to cheat on Him. That you are going to be a faithful vessel used to His honor and glory. It's a love relationship. And that you have a relationship that you can delight in. Open your Bibles to Song of Solomon. Chapter 2, verse 16. How many have heard a message out of the Song of Solomon in the last year? Okay, a few of you. Well, a little more than I thought. Sometimes ministers get to the Song of Solomon and they get nervous. And wondering, you know, here, why is the Song of Solomon in this, in, in the Word of God? And one of the reasons probably ministers get a little uneasy with it sometime or even to others to share out of the book of Song of Solomon is we don't understand really what true love is. And we've been tainted a little bit about the love that the world is exemplifying. And because of that, we get into the Song of Solomon. We start blushing and, and uh, you know, we just don't quite feel comfortable. That's because there's a wrong view of what love is. Even in the physical aspect of it. Song of Solomon 2. Let me get it here just a moment. Song of Solomon 2, verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Until the day break and the shadows flee away, turn to my beloved and be thou like a roe and a young heart upon the mountain of Bether. Sometime go through the book of Song of Solomon and underline the phrase, my beloved. Girls, you don't need to wait till that young man comes around to have someone to call your beloved. Same for you young men as well. You don't have to wait till God leads you to a young lady to have a beloved. I don't know if David, I, I think maybe David mentioned, David Osball, that is, mentioned a little bit about his mother-in-law when he was here. I don't know if she was, did he talk about Grammy? 
Okay, well, Grammy went home to be with the Lord a few months ago. But this was her favorite verse. My beloved is mine, and I am his. At her viewing, they had that saying, I forget, a couple different places. As people were looking, I don't know how you have your viewings, but they actually had some pictures of family so that as people were waiting to view, they were able to see some of the pictures and things. And many times there was things that she made herself that had this verse on it. My beloved. And it wasn't until after her, her husband passed away that she really understood what it is to have a beloved besides some earthly figure. You know, this beloved is not someone that we can put our arms around and hug like we can someone that is a physical being just like you and I. This is a relationship that is such a blessing because we view it through the eyes of faith. We view it because of what Christ has done for us. And we delight in our beloved because He is the one. So I want to encourage you to not bypass the book of the Song of Solomon because we get a little uncomfortable with it. Look at it that it's a relationship between lovers and our lovers. And when we are lovers, we can delight in that love relationship. And when it comes to delighting in the Holy Spirit, now, I'm going to probably, maybe Grant and Melanie have a perfect marriage. I don't know. Um, but if they, do you ever grieve each other? <laughs> He's looking her way and she's sitting there going. <laughs> well, that, that's honesty, and I appreciate that because I think every marriage, love relationship, there has been some times of grievance. And I don't know what it's over, <laughs> but make sure before you go to bed at night that the grievance is taken care of. There's no need for silent treatments. There's no need for getting even attitudes. And in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, it says we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We understand what grievances are when it comes to a physical relationship. But what about your, phys your spiritual relationship with God and the Holy Spirit? God, I just don't understand what you're doing in my life. So I'm just not going to pray to you for a while. We give him the silent treatment. You ever do that? I have already. Or maybe, maybe you don't look at it that you're giving him a silent treatment, but he just seems so far off that you feel like when you pray, it just doesn't get anywhere. So you're not going to pray. What you're doing is you're giving a silent treatment. You ever feel like getting even with God? Maybe he allowed something into your life that you thought was just not fair, just not right. So God, because you're doing this in my life, I'm angry at you, and I'm going to 
I'm not going to let you work in my life. That's a grievance. That's anger. And I realized that I'm sure in a, a uh, group of this size that some of you maybe are struggling to understand what love really is because too many times our love that we understand for God is based too much upon our love relationships in our families and in, in, in our churches. The Bible is very clear that God's people are to exemplify such a love and a delight in their walk that other people are going to say they have something. I hope those people at the restaurant could see how we loved each other and we went away from there and, they're, and that they're shaking their head trying to figure us out. We look different, we act different, and we like each other. We love each other. That's a tremendous testimony. And you families that were along yesterday with your children, you were speaking volumes. Take your children with you. I know people will tell you, do not take your children along into a wicked city like that. But if you're, if you're careful, and careful where you take them, it's a tremendous testimony. My girls, when they were little, especially our oldest daughter, she handed out more tracts than her dad did. They couldn't say no to a little girl. And the little innocency expression upon their face is what does it. They're so innocent. They don't feel like, people don't feel like they're a threat to them. But you know, we're to be childlike. When we meet the people, as you met the people yesterday, could they look at you and see your childlike face? Or did they see some hard Christian? I met many men. One was Jesus Christ in the flesh. Another one was Michael the Archangel. Actually, I think it was the same man. He kept changing his and, uh, but my heart just went out. Another thing is a lot of those that you met are almost, and I, I believe in the miracle of God, but some of them have fried their brains with drugs that it would take a drastic miracle for them to fully understand the gospel. But I think of that man that was among the tombs. Nobody could control him. And it says, after Jesus cast out the Spirit, He was sitting, He was clothed, and in His right mind. And the community, the people were saying, who is this man? They became afraid. To the point that they asked Jesus, leave, go. We don't want anything to do with you. They should have been rejoicing. And here was a man that was clothed and in His right mind. But they were more worried about the pigs that fell into the water. It cost their living. There's a very good possibility that those were Jews that were raising hogs for the Gentiles. I don't know for sure. I did a little study on that. <laughs> it would have been, but as I looked at the Gadareans, it, it was a mixture of people. You look at that sometimes. 
I could be wrong. What about you and I? Are we hypocritical like that? It's okay. We don't use it or whatever. Yeah. Let's turn to Isaiah 52. We're going to look about this love relationship. We're going to take time to look at what God's love is to us, what Jesus' love is to us, and how Jesus loves the Father, and how the Holy Spirit points us to those love relationships, and then how our love is to be loving the Father and the, and, and, and the, the, the three persons in one. So Isaiah 55, that portion of Scripture that is very familiar. Isaiah 55, <coughs> verse 2. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? How much money do you spend beyond food? And your labor for that which satisfieth not. We work so hard. Does it satisfy you? Or does it create a desire for more? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good. You know, people, and I agree, a lot of the the diseases that we have and the, the problems that are coming into our circles, it's probably because we're eating things that are maybe processed and, you know, we, we, we take that into our body, even some of the things that they put into chicken and animals and stuff to make them grow more and all of that, I think has an effect. And we're very concerned about what we eat and I do not believe one man told me, he said he doesn't worry about what he eats because he'll just get the glory that much sooner anyway. And I told him, I said, no, that's not a right way to look at it. But here it talks about eating something that is good, eating something that is spiritual, that has to do with things that are good. And let your soul delight in fatness. It's okay to get fat when it comes to the spiritual things of the Lord. We worry about our weight sometimes, girls, right? Well, when it comes to the spiritual life, you can eat all you want. You can eat all you want. Delight in the fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me and hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Eat that which is, eat that which is good, and let your soul delight in its fatness. Delight. Have a delight in the things that are good. I know we sit down at our meals and we, we, we all know in our circles we, our sisters know how to cook very well and we enjoy that food and we enjoy eating it. How about is it? How, about it, how is it with our spiritual life when we sit and listen to the message of God preached on a Sunday morning? Are you sitting there, sleeping, mind elsewhere? Or are you listening to what is being taught and drinking and eating at the fountain that God is giving to you through the preaching of the Word? The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is, is, is what saves souls. It's through the preaching of the Word. And it seems like foolishness to other people that you can actually sit here for a whole hour and listen to one man talk. 
They say that's foolish. And yet they will go by the hours to some rock band and, and be into things that are, that are not lifting them up spiritually at all and they don't think anything about it. But when they, when they get into the presence of the things of the Lord, they are thinking it's foolish. I'm sure people looked at us as foolish yesterday. Yeah, do you have anybody laugh at you? I did. Yeah. Or laughed at us as a group walking past. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 3. We want to look about how the Father delighted in His Son. Matthew 3, verse 15. No, I don't have the right reference here. Just a moment. Yeah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to, to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighted upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was a love relationship. The Father looking down upon the Son and realizing that eventually the Son is going to need to give His life for the salvation of the souls of others because of God's love for us. There was a relationship. He loved His Son and He loved us, but He realized that there needed to be something, a true sacrifice so that you and I can be experiencing that peace and joy in our heart knowing that our sins are forgiven. And He knew all that. And as the Spirit of God descended like a dove upon Jesus, a voice comes from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. That word beloved means endearment. I have an endearment relationship with my Son in whom I am well pleased. <clears throat> now let's go to chapter 17. Another time Jesus said that He loves His Son. Matthew 17 verse 5. I'm going to start at verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with, them, with him. Then answered Peter, and said unto Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. Another sign that the Father loved the Son. Now Jesus also loved the Father. Let's turn to John 15. John 15, verse 10. And that this is actually twofold here. It has to do with our love for Jesus. But 
One of the tests to see if someone loves someone is what they're willing to do for that person. If a wife really loves her husband, she will do what he wants her to do or that he uh, uh, is leading her to do. A husband, if he truly loves his wife, he will respect his wife. They're a team. They're not in competition with each other. There's a love relationship there. They work together. They're one flesh. Husbands sometimes need to remind themselves that their wife is part of them, not a separate being. Because in the eyes of God, and this is more so with us men than with our wives, us men sometimes have an idea of just running over the other half. But we are one in Christ. Actually, we shouldn't even be uh, each have a half, really. It's so interwoven that it's all one. <laughs> you don't have half her, half him. It's, it's all one. It's a relationship together. And I, I needed, I'm still learning that. That I need to hear my wife. And when she comes and shares her heart, or I ask her what she's thinking, it's as if I am kind of speaking to myself because she is one with me, even though we're two individuals. So the test here that Jesus is saying or that Jesus is sharing is the reason we can know that He loved the Father is He kept His Father's commandments. If ye keep My commandments, ye shall abide in My love, even as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now we could, we'll get to that in a little bit, but one of the tests for us to see if we love God is if we keep His commandments. And that's one of the ways that you know if someone is following God in this mixed up world and everyone professing to be a Christian, everyone professing to do the, the will of the Lord, get out your Bibles and look at it and say, okay, are they following the commandments of the Lord? If they're not following the commandments of the Lord, it's an evident that they are not following the Holy Spirit. They're following themselves. So one of the tests. But Jesus loves the Father. Are you following the love relationship between father and son? <clears throat> I, I have to bring my dad in again. Is that okay? I can talk about my dad a little bit. My dad was laying. We had got a hospital bed to put him, to put him in. Uh, instead of having him in the hospital or in an old folks home or in the rehab, we brought a hospital bed in. And this hospital bed would recline, and we would bring him up. And every morning before I would go to work, <clears throat> I would go up and I would sit on the edge of the bed and I would put my arm on the other side of him and lean forward and we would talk. And one day, bless my heart, my sister was off to the side and was observing us. I didn't realize that. But one day, my dad just took both his hands on either side of my beard and said, son, I love you. That's the relationship that the father has to the son and the son has to the father. I will never forget that. As his body laid there in the casket, coffin, whatever you want to call it, I just longed for him to just reach up and touch me one more time. But it's not. I said to my brother, I said, I feel like Dad's still here even after he was buried. He said, John Michael, the last time I touched his hand, it was pretty cold. He said, when you see your father again, it's going to be over there. But the memories still live on. And the relationship that the father had with the son, and the son was here on the earth, 
walking upon this earth just like you and I are. And it says He was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin, which gives me encouragement that I can live my Christian life in victory. I do not need to live in defeat, but that I can live in victory and be able to live a godly life before Him. And Jesus, as He went, this is what He can, and I'm, I'm illustrating this a little bit, he, as He kept walking and kept meeting the needs of the people, He kept looking upward in His heart, saying, Father, what do you want me to do? And He kept following the will. Father, what do you want me to do? And, G, and, and the Father kept communicating with the Son. And they accomplished the plan of salvation that you and I are experiencing today. <clears throat> if you keep me, Jesus if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Which means, now we're talking about Jesus loving us. Not only does the Father love us, Jesus loves us also. Jesus loves me. That song is sung probably the world over. Just because one person wrote that song. Are you writing songs? I'm not. But it's amazing what songs can do. How it goes from one generation to the other. Jesus loves me. I told you I sometimes sing some of those songs at the old folks' home. And one day there was a, a lady laying there. On, they wheeled her out. She was like on a bed. And there was no expression hardly through the whole service until I started singing Jesus loves me. And her eyes opened and her hands kind of went up. And she sang Jesus loves me with me, with us. And when we were finished, there was hardly any response out of her anymore. I don't know why. But that song blessed her. You know, Jesus, we sing that song. And we call it a children's song. But do you fully understand He loves you? And do you fully understand what it is to love Him? How obedient are you? If you love your father, if you love your mother, and this applies, one of the ways that we can know is how obedient we are to the authority that's above us. That's tough sometimes. But there needs to be a respect and honor. And you're letting a godly example to your siblings and those that are underneath you. If you're living your life, they're watching. If so and so, if my brother doesn't have to do it, I don't either. Little eyes catch a lot. They're watching, they're observing. But they also watch their daddies. And they watch their mothers. And they say, oh, that's what dad had in devotions this morning, but that's not what he's doing today. If we love the Lord, we're going to want to please the Father. We're going to want to please Lord Jesus Christ. A couple more verses. <clears throat> Let's turn to 1 Peter. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Best blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according... To His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. The reason we have a hope, it's not a dead hope, it's a lively hope. 
When something is lively, there's activity. I often wondered, we're even called sometimes living stones. How do stones have life? Well, here it says living, a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. you got reservations. You ever plan ahead? You ever get to a motel or something and, and there wasn't reservations? This morning I, had, I did log on to the internet to, to uh, confirm my check-in for tomorrow and, and I thought I had everything set up for United Airlines to put in my uh, frequent flyer number and, and I went in there and, and typed that in and came up, no reservations. My heart did a little, you know, I love you all, but I do plan on going home. <laughs> to realize that there wasn't the right connection between the app and the, and the actual United Airlines. And I, I found my res reservation and I felt good. But we have a reservation. If we are faithful to God, we have a reservation waiting for us. It's a lively hope, and it's because of the resurrection of Jesus. You're, the Lord Jesus Christ that you're serving is not dead. Muhammad is dead. Allah is dead. All the other religions, as you meet people and they talk about who they're following, Joe Smith is dead. You are the only one that can say that you have a risen Lord and Savior and Redeemer. Be willing to share it with Him. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God. You're not called to keep yourself. You are kept by the power of God. Yes, we need to do what the Word of God teaches us, but if you are going to try to live your life in your own power, you're not going to be victorious. You are kept by the power of God. How? Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Maybe you feel a little heavy today. And maybe you feel like there's a lot of temptations. I just want to give you encouragement. Rejoice through them. That's hard. But God is asking us to rejoice through the tough times of our life. That's when we can have a smile on our face when the tears are flowing. The world knows nothing about that. They just know what sorrow is. But we're able to have a smile with the tears flowing upon down our cheeks because we understand what it is to be tempted. A temptation is not wrong. It's when you yield to it. You will face temptations, but it's when you yield to it that it becomes sin to your life. And maybe you feel heavy. Maybe you feel like the temptations are coming. I just want you to know, according to verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perished it, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory unto the appearing of, the, of Jesus Christ. That heaviness and everything is there because you are being purified. And I'm going to call you, um, or you're going to be more precious than of gold. Gold is something that's precious. Right now, gold is very expensive. But I want you to know that you are more precious than gold. God isn't interested in gold. He's interested in His people being purified. 
Verse 8 is the verse I'm leading up to. Who having not seen ye love? Who has seen Jesus Christ with their physical eyes? None of us have. But we see Him through spiritual eyes. Eyes of faith. Man that told me that He's Jesus Christ in the flesh, he looked at me and said, you don't believe me, do you? I said, no, I don't. I said, my Lord Jesus has been crucified and, and uh, oh, I've been crucified too. I said, well, but you're, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm alive again. Forget how it all went. But he said, you're not believing me, so you're the Antichrist. I said, no. I said, uh, I think you're not understanding it all. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. He was one that you couldn't reason with. But there is only one Savior. There's only one way to heaven. The world will tell you there's many ways to heaven. And as I look at the way the world is shaping up, and the Bible, it appears in the book of Revelation that there will be more of a one nation or the coming together of many governments. And you see that happening. And as you look at Israel and follow Israel, how the world is turning against Israel, and we even have a large segment in our own country that are becoming anti-Israel. And as I see that, I think we're getting closer to the end than what we were a few years ago. Um, I'm not much into prophecy, but to, to be able to see that we are, we are headed towards a, a one world government. And along with that is they are trying to say that there's many different ways to get to heaven and you, we can all believe our different beliefs and we will all, all get there. But don't let that sway you because there is only one way to heaven and that is the only way through the Lord Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see Him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. A joy within you that you can't even explain. It's an unspeakable joy and you are full of glory. It's unspeakable, full of glory. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. We'll stop reading there. But I want you to know when it comes to this delighting, <clears throat> I'm sure Grant talks about his wife to some other people. Maybe they never met her. And I'm sure Melody, Melanie talks about Grant too. Who do you talk about? Is it all about you? Oh, look how look how handsome I am. Or look how pretty I am. I had a girl in our youth group. I couldn't believe it. She came up to me one day and asked if I think she's pretty. And I said, what a question. I mean, all the beauty of all the girls are beautiful. I mean, you know, but she was so self-conceited in her own heart that we are beautiful. Maybe you don't think you are. Maybe you don't think you're handsome. But in the eyes of God, and I'll, I'll, I'll close with this illustration. Someone told me recently that they were, they were in a store. And there was a, a well-masculine-type man 
that was pushing a lady in a wheelchair all crippled and deformed. And he saw him again in a few weeks in the same store. So he began to ask questions. He figured that something happened after they got married to find out that wasn't the case. God planted in his heart. He probably could have had any lady that he wanted to. But he saw beyond the crippledness and the handicap to that individual and poured his life into her. That's love. The same thing is happening to you and I. While we are in sin, we're crippled. And God's love looked into there and said, there's a soul. I'm going to save him. You might think, well, why would he do something like that? He wasted his life. No, he didn't. He gave it all for the sake of giving someone else. And I was told that he wasn't exactly a Christian man. That spoke volumes then. <clears throat> I guess my time's up, right? I'm going to open it up for any questions, or maybe you have something to confess. This is a safe place. Or something you're pondering. I know we have our prayer groups. Maybe I should give an invitation. I don't know. If God has spoken to you and you're not loving the Lord the way God, and, I, and again, I want it clear. And sometimes I can, I want you to mind the Lord that you're not making yourself feel guilty when you're not. Go ahead. Um, yes, I've had a number of them. And I will tell you some of them I didn't survive it and fell into sin because of, because of not understanding the love of God in my heart and that I truly was saved. And it's been since I was a minister. I was ordained at the age of 21. As I look back, that was too young. We were involved in a mission work in the state of New Mexico. And we were, I was going through some, some times that with working with people and everything, not everything was going like I, like I wanted it to, or that I thought that God should be doing. And um, I became discouraged. It's not that I wasn't saved, but I allowed discouragement to take me into an area that I should have never gotten, gotten into. But your question was more, if I felt, I felt it since I was here. 
that I struggled since I was here. First day, second day, I was in my room. I thought, Lord, where are you in this? Might as well make it current, right? <laughs> but God did not let me down. And it's not that I wasn't saved. I had high hopes flying out here. I thought, well, you know, we all want to face, want to let an impression, let a. But God had to deal with that. I don't want you to remember that John Michael Nault was here. I want you to remember what was taught. I don't want you to remember that Luke was here, and I'm sure that's his heart too, and Brother Denny. You know, it's not who was here. It's what was presented. So yes, that's a current illustration. I just had to get on the, on the floor and say, God, you're, you're going to have to help me through this. Does that make you think less of me? Oh, I can go on and on. You know how I am. Sounds like a fair question. And I don't know how else to word it, but how do you have a relationship? I mean, I believe I have a relationship with God. Right. But, I mean, you don't feel it. You can't see Him. Sometimes He doesn't really feel like He's talking. Stuff maybe through creation. I mean, I've had times in my life, you know, it's like He's nowhere except I know He's here because He's in creation. Well, there's the Bible talks about faith. I think we mentioned that in our as we were reading through there that even though he feels like he's not there, if our sins are forgiven and we know that they're under the blood and we have felt his presence and it seems like we're going through a desert time, that doesn't mean he's not there. He might be wanting to teach us a lesson or to depend more on Him, or to cry more. I think we need to pray more. I do. When I get to areas like that, sometimes I think, well, i got to figure this all out. When really He's just asking me to get on my knees. And, uh, it, 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 you know, we, we don't like when we grieve someone or somebody grieves us and we want that relationship mended. We do need to search our own heart to make sure we haven't grieved Him in any way. I don't know if I'm answering. I'm, I'm open to what anyone has to share here. <clears throat> Maybe not ten, but close to probably ten times in the last eight months. We've had a lot of things going on. And pick up my phone and call my brother. I just got to talk to someone about this. And just be smitten and just put it back and go talk to God. I mean, I just think that's exposing myself there. But so no, I try to talk to others and try to get them. But consider that before we go there first. Is God the first place that we go? I hope that bears I think I maybe shared with someone we talk more than what we pray. And uh, we should be praying more than what we talk. Yeah. I can testify to a very 
between me and Grant. <laughs> I'm serious. It seemed like I tried ten times to get a hold of him, and it just would not happen. And finally, looking back on it, I just needed to go get on my knees. Mm-hmm. So. My brother Gerald lives in Colorado. He does a lot of counseling. I should say he used to. He was running himself haggard by trying to meet the demands of people that needed counseling. And they would call and say, I need to meet with you. Some would travel from a distance to come meet with him. And he got to pondering this. He thought, you know what? I'm becoming that person's God. They go by what I am saying. So this is what he started doing. And he he didn't plan his schedule. He took only so many appointments or whatever a week or a month or whatever. And he would call and he would be able to say this honestly. I don't have an opening for another two weeks. You know, I'm going to put you in here. He said many times after that. And he would tell him, you just pray about it till then. Many times when he would call to say, are you coming? No, I found my answer. <laughs> Any more thoughts? Anybody? Yes, Brother Denny. Yeah. You did. thought. In those three circles, that center circle, of course, is the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? We know that God is everywhere. Right. God is, is omnipresent. God is a million, billion miles out there in the universe. <laughs> That's right. 
and he's here in this room. God, we know God, the Holy Spirit, is dwelling within us. Mm -hmm. Christ said, the Bible says, Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, my Father, and I will love him, and we will come and dwell in him. Can we draw that with this, in that spirit, and draw Father, Son, and Spirit? Mm -hmm. right? oh, and amen. Amen. Who's better at drawing than me? Yeah. Draw the circle. I'm the no, I. Well, I, I failed to mention at the beginning that the Father, Son, it's three persons, yet one. And I don't know if this is a good illustration or not, but you have the Son up in the. Out of that, you have the actual sun, and out of that, you have heat, and you have sunlight, and yet it's all one. Is that, I mean, it's hard to use that as a, as a description of who God really is, but, the, the, yeah, the three with, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's our the spirit, spirit of man, spirit and then man, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Son. Thank you, brother. Yes.